Readers Entertainment Radio presents Book Lights with your host, author Lisa Kessler. Book Lights, where we're shining a light on good books. Hello, everyone. It is January. If you're listening live, I hope that you're staying warm. I know a lot of places it's really freezing. I complain about it being freezing here in Florida, but I know for other people it would be shorts weather. But, you know, I get up and it's only got a six for the first number. It was like 65 today, so I got my sweater on. Um, (laughs) But I'm glad you guys are curled up and listening in, or if you're listening later, um, today we have on Cerise Rennie Murphy, and she is a fantastic sci-fi fantasy author. I can't wait for you to meet her. And she also runs an amazing virtual con called Virtuous Con. That comes up next month for BIPOC authors, and I cannot just – I put a link to that website on the Blog Talk site as well. So if you're listening live or listening later, definitely go check it out. It's got fantastic um, guest speakers. It just – it looks like it's going to be a fantastic con that you can do from your couch. So – Anyway, if you haven't met Cerise yet, I'll read her bio here so you can get to know her. Cerise Rennie Murphy is the national best-selling and award-winning author of 10 novels, children's books, and short stories. She is also the founder of VirtuousCon, an online sci-fi and comic culture convention that celebrates the excellent of excellence of BIPOC creators in spec fiction across the mediums of fiction, comics, film, and visual arts. Ms. Murphy is also the recipient of the Black Pearls Magazine's Author of the Year Award for Children's Literature, the National Bestsellers Designation from the African American Literature Book Club. Woo, that's a lot for me on a Monday morning. (laughs) The AALBC and the Science Fiction Writers of America, SFWA's Kate Wilhelm Solstice Award for significant contributions to the sci-fi, fantasy, and related genres community. And created in 2008, Ms. Murphy joins the ranks of distinguished previous Solstice Award winners, including Petromare, Carl Sagan, Octavia Butler, and Gardner Dozios. I don't know if I said that right either, but I'm doing the best I can. It's Monday. Ms. Murphy lives and writes just outside of her hometown in Washington, D.C. with her family. And you can find out more about her books and her at her website. I did put a link to her website right there on Blog Talk. So if you're listening live or if you're listening later, you can click that and check out what is coming. She has a lot of books that you can order on her website, including one that's free. So go check it out. And without any further delay, are you there, Cerise? I am here. Hey, Yay. thank you so much for having me, Lisa. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad you could come on because I stumbled across your Virtuous Con and what an endeavor. And you put that together yourself, right? Oh, it's me and a team. I, there's no way. I barely <laughs> update my phone. So uh, there's no way I could have done anything like this without an amazing team, and I have one. So we've grown from a scrappy group of three to, like, seven of us. And um, it grows each year. Yeah, no, it's an amazing group effort uh, that I'm happy to be the lead of, but by no means am I able to put this on by myself. (laughs) 
Well, do you want to tell everybody about, like, what happens? Do you have virtual panels? Is it on Zoom? How do people participate? Oh, absolutely. So it's an online sci-fi and comic culture convention celebrating BIPOC authors across speculative fiction in every medium you can imagine, visual arts, film, graphics, novels, comics, books, like the whole gamut. Um, We even have some, like, cool – some of the other vendors that sell clothes that are, you know, based on anime and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. it's all geeky stuff. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, we have – it's a two – actually, a two-and-a-half-day event now where you log into – we have two platforms that we use. One, we use Zoom for our panels, but then we also have an interactive vendor floor show where you're really going to get to see and talk to the artists and their creations and buy from them directly just like you would at a in-person convention. Um, it's live, so, you know, there's no, like, pre-recording. They're there. You can ask them questions. You can browse wow. um, the virtual, like, booth. Um, and it's, it's really, people are surprised. Like, when I say it's interactive, it's always sort of adorable when we, that first day because people don't really believe it, and then they land on a booth, and there's a, an artist that goes, hi, how are you? And they're like, oh, my God, I wasn't expecting this talk to somebody. <laughs> and I'm like, no, you're really going to be talking to people um, at this convention. It's always so hilarious, because at least we, this is our fourth event, and each one, someone's like, so you said it was interactive? I really wasn't prepared. And so they go to our virtual couches, and we do have, like, virtual like quiet spaces on each virtual floor there's couch there are couch areas where you can double click on them and you can be there by yourself and get yourself together so that you can come then you come out from the like quiet area and then you click on somebody's <laughs> booth and then you can talk so it's okay it's going to be all wow right. <laughs> yeah i love that and um, what what inspired you to do this? When when did you decide? You know, we should make. I'm assuming it was during the plague, but but yeah. <laughs> can you tell us how? What was the birth of VirtuousCon? How did that come together? So, I remember the exact day when I had the idea. Um, it was March 21st, 2020, and I was starting my first full-time job in a decade after being home with the kids and writing part-time. I, it was the first day of homeschooling my kids um, because school had just shut down. Mm-hmm. And I woke up that morning and God told me, you should start an online sci-fi convention. And I remember, I was like, are you crazy? <laughs> you not see Brain. what my life is like right now? Like, there, there are other children you could be bringing this to. Because, I, again, I don't even update my phone. Like, what are you talking about? And yeah, I had this conversation with God a lot. And so <laughs> I just was like, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. And God was like, well, you never know what you're going to do until I show you. So just do what I tell you and just stop complaining. <laughs> and that's basically what I did. I told a couple of friends. It was like, look, I have this crazy idea. Can you help me? And people were like, yes, I will help you with it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I mean, it's just, well, you know, it's just just a complete blessing because, of course, now it is, even my concept of what I thought it would be, it's completely, the interactive interactive virtual, like, vendor floor space, I knew I wanted that, but I had never even seen what I really would have liked. 
And so it was this real process of telling people that I wanted to do and what I wanted to do and asking for help. And right. that's how I found people who were like, no, I can help you with this. Oh, I know someone else who can do that. And it just became this wonderful collective effort. Um, I started it because of two things. Um, at the time, because of the, the plague, um, right. people were doing online conventions and their idea of a vendor floor was to have an artist put their name and a link to their website. And mm-hmm. to be an independent creator, literally, by definition, means almost no one knows who you are. Right. How we do, <laughs> you know what I mean? How we, yes. how we sell our wares, how we grow our business is by going to conventions, meeting people, and telling them what is, why we're passionate about what we do and what it is we do. So the idea that you're going to have a vendor floor show that just has links to people, like, that's not going to work for us because there's no reason for anybody to click on the link. They don't know who we are. So mm-hmm. I knew I wanted something. And so they, they were having all these alternatives that really didn't respect the business model of independent creators, which is they got to be able to meet us and talk to us and learn about right. us. And so I knew I had to have that. Um, and then the other piece was, you know, as everyone will remember, 2020 was just such a difficult year, such mm-hmm. an awful, awful year um, with the death of George Floyd sort of culminating a lot of awful things that happened before right. and after the death or the murder of George Floyd. And I just, it was a really, it was a time where I felt deep despair. You know what I mean? Right. I mm-hmm. felt there's this horrible narrative about people of color, particularly black people, that I know is not true. And I know so many artists who are putting out expansive, hopeful stories that reflect the community that I'm a part of. But so much of what you see in sort of the media and the, the films and the books, it's all like mad, bad, sad stories about black right. people. But right. I see so many independent creators that were doing stories that were not that at all. And right. I thought, how can I raise the awareness about all these independent creators who are doing these magnificent things? that people need to know about. Yeah. And so those are the two things that, that created Virtuous Con. Oh, I love that. And I also love back to what you were saying about the TV and the movies and all this kind of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, am, I am not an author of color, but I have many friends who are. And so yeah. I, I'm aware that there are many black creators who are doing like you said geeky things and yeah. that is never portrayed <laughs> you know nope. on the media or anything right and it's just like but <laughs> but they exist and so i love that you are like giving them a platform because the reality is we all like geeky things and yes, <laughs> you know, right and if i mean you don't, it's, you should like, like exactly. there's no downside to the geeky life. There really is. There not. is. There is no downside. And you know, when real life gets super hard, like during the plague, geeky things are your perfect ex- escape. And so I love that you made this opportunity for people to, you know, spread the word and get out there and put themselves out there because, yeah, the geeky things are the best. They really are. They really are. <laughs> and and it, it's such a hopeful, 
you know, I always say to people, speculative fiction is such a deeply spiritual genre to me. And mm-hmm. I don't mean religious. It's a space of hope and examining right. what it really means to be human and grappling with those questions that, to me, are at the core of life. And mm-hmm. it's so inspiring. And sure, you add a dragon in there or a cool saber or whatever, but at the end of the day, it's like, who are you really? What are your unique mm-hmm. gifts and powers? And how can you use those things to improve your life and the life of the people around you, your community, your world? Right. That's all. I don't care what you're reading. That's all it's about when it comes mm-hmm. to secular fiction. And it's, it's so important and yet so fun at the same time. And I just, you know, it, it's been a life. It, it's been transformative to me being a part of this community and reading the stories. I believe in the power of storytelling to change not only your perspective of what's possible for you, but what's possible for your world. And if all yes. we're seeing are stories that are mad, bad, and sad, you start that starts to constrict that vision. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we need a more expansive vision of who we can be as individuals, as communities, and as a world. And so right. the fiction is just all about that, and I'm so down with it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I love, too, that in in fantasy just as a genre is the story over and over is somebody who is more than they thought they could be. And who doesn't want that? We all want that. We all want to know that, you know, when the stakes are down, I can be the best friend in the whole world. You know, we all want to know that we're more than we're stronger than we know. And you can get those stories out there when you read a comic book or a fantasy novel or, you know, sci-fi where they adventure somewhere and they make friends with somebody who they didn't even realize that that (laughs) that race existed um you know and i think that we it gives you a safe space to walk in somebody else's shoes you know yeah absolutely it demands that of you in so many ways to look outside yourself to find the thing in the other person but then like you said so well to find that thing in yourself that is more than you thought it could be and i believe we're all more i believe i believe in superpowers we all have them we just mm-hmm. use them and don't realize that that's right. what it is. You can say <laughs> hello to someone and change their whole day. They don't even know mm-hmm. you. And just an act of kindness can change their entire day. Tell me that's not a superpower. Right. Truth. Yeah, no, it, for sure. Like, but we're so unconscious about the true brilliance of ourselves. And mm-hmm. speculative fiction, like, elevates that all the time, reminds us, you are great. You are something special. You have something important to give. And in a world that is constantly making you feel maybe not like that, it's just mm-hmm. so, I, I, that's why I'm so passionate about getting these stories out, you know, particularly yeah. the counter, like, mad, bad, sad narratives. <laughs> right, know, right, so, exactly. Anyway, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I think too, that sometimes people don't always recognize why representation matters, but it's huge because when you can see yourself on the page and go, look what they did, then, you know, you the next step is what if I could do that? Right. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, we're we're just, you know, we're all human beings, and we Mm -hmm. all need to see ourselves 
as the hero. And so it's yes. about giving us all an opportunity to do what all human beings want to do, which exactly. is see themselves, be aspire, you know, aspire to greater things. And so, yeah, it's, it's so important. It's so important. And then also as you, you see each other, you can encourage mm-hmm. that greatness in others. But if it's such an anomaly and something you almost never see, it's easy for then everybody to believe that it's not true, even right. though it is. You know, right. and so it's, representation is important for everyone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you're a part of that group or not a part of that group, because when you don't see it, it impacts you differently, but it, it definitely impacts everyone when we're not seeing diversity of every type in right. stories that are expansive. Um, we all then start to constrict our minds about what we believe is possible for ourselves and then other people. And then we start to act out of that sense of deprivation and, mm-hmm. and lack. And, and then you get bad things. <laughs> well, and then you start feeling pigeonholed, you know. Right. I want right. to do this, Absolutely. but nobody like me does this. And, right. you know, right. and so you're more empowered to take chances when you see that, you know, I loved the um, Spider-Man. Shoot. There's so many Spider-Mans, but the one that's the cartoon, the new one. Um, oh, with Miles Morales, yes. Yes, yes. and Spider-Man. I just love yeah. that, you know, yeah, Spider-Man could be anybody. Um, that, yeah. it's, it's important. Why not? And and it it just expands the world. And, it yeah, it's mm-hmm. such, yeah, I, I love it. I mean, I remember when the first one came out. Like, I saw the trailer. I must have watched it, like, maybe a million times, like no exaggeration. <laughs> like I made my kids watch it at least like half a million times each. Like we were there day one. Like I was, I mean, and, you know, for the <laughs> second one and like we are all in. Yes, I am that person. I am the midnight show person, or at least I was before I had kids. And I right. will be again. I'm too tired. Uh, <laughs> like I am that person. Well, can you tell us a little bit about your writing journey? Did you always want to be a writer? Did it fall in your lap later? How did that all happen for you? Oh, man. I, you know, I'm a reader. I never, you know, people ask me, oh, you know, is being a writer, is it your dream come true? It's not. It's beyond my greatest imagination for myself. I've been an avid reader since I was a kid, Um you know, watching Star Wars, X-Files, like all the things. I loved all of that, reading, you know, Lord of the Rings, you know, all the books. Mm-hmm. Um, and, oh, man, about maybe 12, 13 years ago now, I was standing in the kitchen washing the dishes, and I got this idea, like a vision, actually, of this man walking towards me, and he had a sort of ashy, ashen complexion, and like a cataract-like film over his eyes, even though he was a black man from Tanzania. And he was a seer. I knew he was enslaved for that ability. I knew that there were people all over the world who were suffering that same fate. I knew that the reason for his appearance was because of a drug called Liridium, and I had that name in my head. That wow. This drug that was given to him that would both access his sight, his ability to see the future, and also it was used to control him. And I was so excited. I was like, are you kidding? Like, I have an idea for a sci-fi story. Like, a sci-fi story. Yeah. I just could not believe it. And 
I, I didn't even know if I could write the story in my head, but I decided I was going to try. And literally, that's how it started. I mean, I had written a couple fan fiction pieces, but never did I think that I would have, like, an original story idea. And I was just so excited. I just decided I was going to try to write it. And I've been going ever since. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I love that. I love that. So when you wrote your your first book, did mm-hmm. you feel like you needed to plot it all out or did you just let the story, were you taking dictation? Oh, I had to plot it out. I okay. had a, three, a three-year-old and I, don't, I, was, I was pregnant with our daughter. I was, as any parent of a three-year-old knows, I was <laughs> one nap away from like, Exhaustion, <laughs> yes, like clinical, clinically diagnosable exhaustion. <laughs> and so, if I had to sit down at the end of a long day, and because I was working, I was working full time at the time, and then wait for inspiration or figure out what to write, I would still be on the first book. Like mm-hmm. I, it wouldn't happen. So, but because I have heard from other fan fiction authors, they talked about how they outlined their stories. And so I thought, oh, well, I could do, because, you know, they'd be going on for, like, ever. And I'm like, how do you do this? They're like, oh, I always, I stick to an outline. I have an outline, da, da, da. And sometimes they would deviate from that, but they talked about the structure of how they were able to do their thing. And so I took that, and I wrote a story outline. And then I wrote a chapter outline. And it was wonderful because, you know, we're talking about like a paragraph, no more than that. If right. I had some dialogue in my head, I might write that down too. But what it enables me to do was work out the story while I was at the grocery store or while I'm taking somebody to school or while I'm so I'm thinking about all, like I can plot out not only what's going to happen, how it happens, where's the tension in each chapter, all of that stuff before I write, before I write the first line of the story. Mm-hmm. And so by the time I, and I still do this to this day, so by the time at the end of the night, I'm exhausted. I don't have to wonder, like, what am I, what am I writing? I mm-hmm. look at my chapter outline, oh, you know, Pam meets Dan. That is what I'm <laughs> writing. I don't have to think about it. And so then what happens, this beautiful thing happens, and it's still, like, I've been doing this for over 11 years now. It's still the same way every time. I just open my mind and I see the story. I become the audience, and I just write down what I see to the best of my ability mm-hmm. and then edit it until when I read it, I see what I saw in my head. And it's just I this l- wonderful thing. I love what I do. love that. Did you join writer's groups? How did you get you see your first book published? You know, I, I published it myself. Mm-hmm. I had a couple friends who were authors, both indie and traditionally published. And I had, I had done the, um, you know, query thing. Right. And I kept getting, and this was, this was 2012, folks. So I kept getting, you know, I'd get your normal rejection letter. And then right. some of my favorites were, we think this is really, you know, a great story, well written, but we don't think it's commercially marketable. 
Right. And I'm the kind of person who, I mean, when I started out, people were like, there's literally no audience for your books. We don't know what you're going to do. What do you mean? They were like, well, black people don't read science fiction. White people don't read black authors. And no one reads science fiction from a woman. Like, literally, someone said that to me. Dang! And I was like, okay. Like, literally, <laughs> the evidence to the contrary is overwhelming. <laughs> you clearly don't know what you're talking about. But also, I'm not good at asking for permission. Mm-hmm. So after I got a couple of those, oh, this is nice, but we just don't think it's commercially viable. Right. Um, I thought, because there were, there are a lot of characters of color in the book. Um, they're over, through the series, there are about eight different languages because it's an international conspiracy. And one of my pet peeves is when the international conspiracy only happens in Wisconsin. So, <laughs> you know, you're meeting all different people. You're literally going from Seattle, Washington, to Tanzania, to Prague, to Afghanistan. Like, you're all, we're, because it's an international conspiracy. So... We're all right. over the place. So I just thought that combined with me not being good at taking, like, people telling me what I can and cannot do, um, I was just like, you know what, I actually don't need anybody's permission to tell this story. I'm just going to do it myself. And that's mm-hmm. how I put out the first book and all the others. And, you know, I it's been a, over a decade's journey. Um, it'll be 20, oh, my gosh, it'll be 12 years in September. I I love it. It's hard. It's not for everyone. I would not recommend it. It, um, it. Just say this is what everybody should do. It depends on what your goals are, what you're willing to do, what you feel comfortable with. But I absolutely love being able to tell my stories my way, and I love right. all the control and all the blame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've I've been a hybrid author for a long time because I started out with a traditional publisher and then I wanted to learn. So I did one series myself. And now um, my final publisher book came out last year. So I'm all indie now because I do. It is so much more work, but I do love the control (laughs) over you know, cover, pricing, your story, yeah. your blurb. I, I do love all that control. Sometimes I, I, it is a lot of work. Sometimes I'm like, shoot. It's a lot of work. You know why I say it's not for everyone. Because it's really not. Right. It really depends what your ideal journey. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, as a yeah. creator. Yeah, because you do have to. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you do have to look at yourself as a, you know, as a publisher instead of, you know, just just the author. So it is a lot of work. But man, if you can do the work, it's really wonderful to have control over your dominion. So I (laughs) so kudos to you for um, sticking it out and making it happen because you have so many books. I, I wanted to tell everybody about the new one that I was poking around on your website before the show, um, about, um, in the garden of light and shadow, the chronicles of Ada St. James sounds fantastic. And I think it's the first book in a new series, right? It is. Yep. It is. Tell everybody about it. It, I'd love to, it's, uh, it's my newest baby. Uh, she's not born yet, but she's cooking. She's cooking. She's y'all. cooking. She's oh, almost a bad image. But anyway, you know what I mean. <laughs> so, um, it is a steampunk murder mystery fantasy love story about ah. a young woman who is a who is at a convent 
studying to be a demon slayer who meets a demon and falls in love. They have a child, and that child's called Ada St. James, and she becomes a portal that could save the world. Ah, so that's what I'm doing. Oh, my gosh, that sounds amazing. How many books will be in it, do you know? You know, I thought it was just going to be one, and then I went for a walk and realized, or I thought it was going to be a duology, and then I realized it's going to be a trilogy. So, yeah. Yay. <laughs> Yay. All right. Oh, I love it. Well, <laughs> sadly, we're, like, going to run out of time here, but I wanted to find out from you, which books do you think that if somebody has never read you before and they want to go get a book this week because they hear the interview and they're so excited, which books should they start with? Ooh, great question. All right. So if we were in person, I would always ask, what do you like to read? Um, Because I feel like that's where I generally start. But if you're like, all right, I don't know you, I would start with the Between Two Seas short story collection because it's four short stories. You can get through it in a day if you have the time. It's four different genres, so you're really going to get a sense of my writing style. You're going to get a sense of four different genres, so it's a nice little mix of things. The other uh, one that I'd recommend is To Find You, which is actually a standalone, and it's a historical romance about two souls trying to find each other through time. It takes place in four different time periods. And I, uh, even though it's a romance, people are like, oh, I'm not really into that. It's, it's romance for people who are not necessarily into romance because there's lots of action and there's, there's a really intense story that's going on with the characters. So I would recommend that one as well. Um, yeah, those are the two that I would start with. So probably between two okay. things because you're going to get a sense of how I, how I handle stories. I love that. Well, it has been so much fun. And everybody, go check out Virtuous Con for sure. It happens next month. And uh, and definitely head to Cerise's website. The link is right there. Just sign up for her newsletter and check out all the amazing books. Thank you so much for being here today, Cerise. We'll have to have you back on when the Garden of Light and Shadow is burst. I would love it. Thank you so much, Lisa. This has been so much fun. Thank you. Okay. Thanks for joining us on Book Life. Be sure to connect with us at www.readersentertainment.com for articles, blogs, videos, and podcasts that matter to readers.